Time for rolling. The right targets. That is one trade. T Tigers is still pretty healthy. Tries to jump in. He finds one. This is a big turnaround for Liberation X. They might get the third. They might find an ace here. On to Lost Boy Top. Surrey Strike is not oh. enough. He goes down. He might go for Donna Twips. He's going to get one. He's got to get two. Lost Boy Top. Oh, Lost Boy Top. He does it. He gets the two versus one turnaround under the turret. He lives too. Welcome to Time for Rolling Esports, the weekly podcast that brings you Vainglory Esports. From predictions to recaps and analysis, we present to you the best in professional Vainglory. Now, here's your hosts, Endless and Crude Sloth. It's Time for Rolling Hey, how's it going, everyone? It's Endless here. Before we get into today's show, I know we're all excited to get into today's show. It's one of the biggest shows we've had. Uh, I'm going to tell you about some sponsors and friends of ours over here at Time for Rolling Esports. Really great people. Uh, the first group I want to talk about is Mobile Esports. This company is a company that focuses on all things mobile gaming. They run community events. They run tournaments, all based around mobile titles like Critical Ops, Clash Royale, and of course, Vainglory. They are just now starting to get into Vainglory. This will be their first tournament on December 9th. It's going to be a small tournament on that Saturday. Um, it's going to be a fun time. We're really excited to get Mobile Esports uh, more involved in Vainglory, uh, as I personally believe Vainglory is one of the biggest uh, mobile titles out there. So uh, you know, make sure you can follow them on Twitter, you know, at esports underscore mobile, or you can go to their webpage, mobileesports.org. Uh, you can check out their webpage; they have a lot of great things there. Um, they're just really great company, and I cannot wait to get them more involved in Vainglory. Of course, on their website, you can find their other tournaments if you are interested in, like Critical Ops. Clash Royale, uh, those type of titles. Uh, you know, they'll be expanding to other games as well. Once more, uh, great mobile titles like maybe, you know, Rules of Survival. Uh, I know a lot of uh, a lot of the Bangalore community right now is playing that game. Uh, another great friend of ours here at Time for Link Esports is uh, the North American Champions League. Uh, you know, the NACL is one of the best tournaments in. Uh, the Bangalore community right now, run by some great people. You know, this league has been, you know, running for multiple seasons. It has given teams like, of course, Vision Gaming the chance to get their start, you know, to get some attention and uh, a place for them to try to reach that Bangalore 8. So, of course, if you have a team that you think uh, can compete well, maybe uh, go ahead and uh, follow them at NA Champ League. And also, you can subscribe to their YouTube and Twitch. Keep up with them there, and maybe you can sign up your team in the, in the future tournaments that will be happening. So, uh, NA Champ League, really excited also to be doing a lot of things with them. Uh, that is all we have when it comes to sponsors and friends. Uh, this episode is going to be awesome. It's going to be long, uh, so let it let it take it into your weekend if you need to. You know, Maybe space it out a little bit. Don't just binge it in one day. It's going to be a really fun time. A lot of great conversation, uh, all about 5v5 and some speculation. Trying to get that hype ready for December 17th. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome to episode 59 of Time for Rolling Esports. On this episode, it is a very special episode, probably the biggest episode we have ever done. We have special guests. But I am joined, 
as always, with my co-host, Crude Sloth. How's it going? It's going fantastic. Yes, we do have a pretty awesome. Uh, we do have a pretty awesome podcast here today. We yeah. got some special guests. Star star studded, I would say. Probably the three <laughs> of the most fantastic people uh, possible. We have. Fuji, of course. Fuji is our recurring guest. He has been on the podcast before. Then we have um, the the desk the desk master. I'm going to call him. That would be uh, Tasty Bacon. <laughs> and then we have the hype master, probably the most hype caster in Vanglory Humanist. Um, how about you guys? Go ahead and say hello. Hello. Now's when you say hello, Bacon. Hello. Just say hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> I thought you were doing like a full, oh, like full on intro. Like... I was going to give everyone a chance to just say hi. But uh, uh, yeah, so I'm Fuji uh, or Ben Wadley, if, if you want to know my real name. Uh, most people know me from the Vainglory community, I'm sure, that are listening to this podcast. But um, uh, prior to Vainglory, like since we're here to talk you know, about 5v5 and, and all the things, I have a lot of uh, League of Legends background uh, playing that game, even back to beta. And my earliest MOBA experience would have been uh, playing the custom map mode in Warcraft 3 Reign of Chaos called Dota back then before MOBAs became a big thing. So I've, I've been a fan of the genre ever since I was a teenager and pretty happy to be working on the kind of forefront uh, mobile MOBA Vainglory and, and really nailing some things down for an exciting 2018. Hey everyone, I'm Tasty Bacon, otherwise known as Greg Getze. Uh, I, if from the Vainglory community, you probably know me as either a caster or as an analyst on the analyst desk. Uh, but prior to Vainglory, uh, just like Ben, I also have a lot of uh, League of Legends experience. I wasn't amateur league of legends caster before i got into vainglory but i've also played pretty much every moba that has existed at some point or another so i have a lot of experience with the 5v5 uh different styles of different 5v5 and things of that nature that was smooth bacon i guess it's my turn i'm humanist and uh, you guys, if you watch the competitive Vainglory, you would know that I'm one of the casters, uh, one of the play-by-play -play casters. I've done color casting as well. Try to stick to the play-by-play. -play. I like to bring the hype. Um, I love MOBAs. My first MOBA was Dota. I started playing the game 13 years ago. Um, I wanted to be a professional Dota player. I would say I spent probably close to a couple of years trying to achieve that goal, working with a team, uh, creating my own team. Uh, it didn't work out for me, but that was a lot of a great experience. Um, I ran uh, Dota tournaments. Um, I did Dota casting, more like amateur and semi-pro level stuff. And then uh, I found Vainglory as like a mobile MOBA, and it was just amazing. And uh, I started playing it, saw that they needed some casters, tried it out. And that was pretty much uh, how it all started there. Well, <clears throat> Wild is probably unfortunate that your uh, Dota career did not uh, work out. I think all of us Vainglory people are are kind of glad because now we get blessed with uh, your voice on on most weekends <laughs> when the season is in. So uh, that it, that is nice to have that. But um, real quick, I don't know if we want to do a little bit of a five v five discussion right away. When we're recording this, it is Monday night. They had just released the bracket challenge. Vainglory has. Uh, I've been waiting for that. Um, I don't know if anyone, real quick, wants to maybe 
call out their first picks for who's going to win, maybe what region real quick before we dive into more of the specific questions. I know Humanists already. I saw his. Uh, he's got <laughs> he's got G2. He's going the EU train. Yeah. So, you know, look, this is live competition. Anything can happen. And I, I you know, I, I don't I actually don't think like if I was betting uh, a legit amount of my savings on this, I probably wouldn't go with G2. Right. But I'm going to get behind them and I'm yeah. just going to ride this hype train all the way through. Tasty, you uh, cheering for anyone yet? It's, uh, it's a bold Team call Kraken. going for the G2, but uh, <laughs> uh, Team Kraken definitely uh, they get my my heart says Team Kraken just because I love that name coming on into the World Championship. But uh, I do think that this World Championship is going to go to either Team Solomid or, or uh, Cloud9 or Tribe. Sorry, uh, it was Team Solomid I had actually. It was a really tough matchup in when I did my bracket. It was Tribe and Team Solomid, but I gave that one to Tribe. But I do have a uh, Tribe and Cloud9 finals for my bracket that I filled out. So it's uh, kind of the easy way out a little bit, but I think that's the way it's going to go. All that matters is the trophies coming back home to NA. So that's all that matters. That's it. Well, hey, I mean, our headquarters is in North America, right? So, (laughs) yeah. Uh, but you know, hashtag not rigged. Of course, all the group <laughs> stuff was completely random this year. I was excited to be able to do that. Last year we had a group reveal. This year we had a group draw. So it was exciting yep. to feel that anticipation in the moment and, and create some pretty exciting groups. But I, I'd have to somewhat agree with Mr. Bacon here that you know, I do think this is uh, North America's tournament to lose. Uh, East Asia is a definitely a strong region, but of course, Ace coming in with a, a bit of a new lineup and um, train going by. And then, uh, of course, like rocks, uh, you know, Druid has been a little under the weather. So, like, I'm not sure if East Asia is as strong coming into the tournament as they were last year. So I'm definitely keeping my eyes on North America. I feel like Cloud9 really should take this. I mean, got to go for the the three back-to-backs, right? So two unifies worlds, just add a nice oh, trophy to goodness. the show. Oh, it feels so good. It's not a grand slam, but who needs <laughs> baseball references, right? Yeah. Yeah, Cloud9 has always been a team that's somehow they get together and uh, when they're on stage together, uh, Gabe Gabe and the, the boys absolutely dominate. So that's going to be interesting to see if they kind of just continue that in a, a new setting in Singapore. But we're obviously hyped for that December 14th to the 17th and that's going to lead up to our very first reveal of 5v5 uh the showcase uh matches which that's what we're kind of here to talk about obviously people on this podcast do have some insider knowledge about what's happening so everything we discuss will be you know speculation some things we may like to see as fans maybe other things develop in the future so um if I push too much, I will be told that, uh, you know, they're just not going to answer that question. But um, let's go ahead and get right into kind of our first broad topic. We're going to start broad before we uh, dive into specific. But uh, the first thing I want to bring up is Munchable specifically. Shout out to him real quick. He was supposed to be another member on here, but he is traveling and could not attend. But uh, on the Vanglory 8 stream, you know, he had brought up the main conversation of what are the roles going to be like in Vanglory 5v5. Obviously, there's a lot of different um, aspects of what the roles have been in other MOBAs. Uh, we can look at League of Legends, which kind of have this standard meta of one top, one mid, two bottom, and then a jungle. Kind of your bottom lane has that support slash captain. 
Um, Dota, when I was doing some of my research, I had mentioned before we actually started recording this that I've never really played Dota, so I don't have too much knowledge, but from what I was reading, it seems that Dota maybe has more of a meta that changes based on how their setup is and position. So, Humanus, I'm going to start with you first. I want you to be my first person to tackle this question, but compared to your background, uh, compared to what you may see Vainglory, how do you see Vainglory's 5v5 kind of forming when it comes to, you know, where we may see some of these roles? <laughs> what an honor. Okay, so, well, first, I think it's going to take a while before people actually figure out um, what any any of like the legit meta is, and then of course it's going to continuously evolve. Um, Dota has a lot more um, characters to play, heroes, than um, Vainglory does. So I would expect that the, we're going to see the the strongest heroes quite often. Um, and you know, of course, SCMC does a good job um, of getting new heroes out, um, but even in Dota, when there's something strong, you do tend to see it quite often. So you don't have we'll to be nice some... just because I'm on the call, by the way, humanist. <laughs> but flattery will get you everywhere. I'm just saying, we'll keep it real, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I'm personally most excited for, um, in, in Dota, it's known as Rat Dota, um, but split pushing, and that's the, kind of the idea of reading your opponents and reading the map and throwing people off balance, like. In basketball, it's like when you have the ball on one side, you like you rotate the majority of your players there. You leave one player on the other side, and you swing the ball back over there, and then you take advantage. Like, so for example, you might um, once the game gets going, you're gonna throw four people down um, in bottom lane pushing. You don't reveal your top player or your fifth player who's hiding in the top lane until there's like a huge team fight down in bottom lane. Then everyone, ju- then top lane just starts pushing, and maybe that's like a weapon saw who's left alone to just take two turrets at will. So there's like a lot more things to abuse like that. But um, I feel like Vainglory is probably going to be pretty flexible, similar to Dota, as far as you you can't you you might be able to, and it depends on like the mentality of the pro players. But I would guess that teams are not going to be scared switching things up, like starting maybe with like a, a tri lane. Uh, in bottom and uh, a solo player in mid and top or switching that up and going like a 2-1-2 dependent on drafts. All right, Tasty, how about your opinions coming from the league background? Yeah, I I think at first a lot of teams are going to try and mimic what League of Legends has just because it's... It is so well known of that formula of having a solo top laner, a solo mid laner, a duo bot lane, and a jungler. Um, I I think that's going to be what we see initially on 5v5. Like when we have the show match at Worlds, I'm expecting to see that sort of standard format come out. But I think it's really going to depend on how the jungle is. Like we don't actually know where the different jungle camps are going to be. We don't know how difficult the jungle camps are going to be or how many of them there are going to be or anything of that nature. So, you know, if the jungle is like this very strong jungle in Vainglory, then that opens up the door to have something like two junglers and three solo lanes, which I think would be really interesting to see because you would want, you still want to have like support heroes on your team, but now they also have to be able to clear the jungle efficiently and things like that. So I think there's definitely going to be a lot of flexibility. As Humanist said, just going to be a lot of time spent just kind of by teams practicing on 5v5, just trying to figure out what works, what's more efficient, what gets people gold and experience faster 
uh you know with vainglory is really unique also in the way that it has the experience and gold share the ambient gold that's not a thing mm-hmm. in games like league of legends so you know now having two characters roaming the jungle together could be more efficient than you know in league of legends you almost never want to have two characters roaming the jungle at the same time so there's a lot of possibilities that i think could come out and that's what's most exciting to me about it yeah i know fuji you've obviously we've all been playing the game for a while but vainglory did have kind of the whole double um jungling with a captain and then it switched the whole babysit phase where the captain kind of just sits in lane which you know now there's going to be more laners and more places for that captain to quote-unquote babysit so uh, i don't know what you have seen or what you kind of your different uh different forms of this uh roles has been that you are excited for yeah, well, I mean, so I think initially, uh, you know, we were using Dota and, and League as some examples. And I agree, I think we'll see people try to mimic uh, in the 5v5 environment things that have worked in other games. I mean, it's it's interesting if you go back in League of Legends also, what I'm curious for our game is, like, what region defines the meta? Like, Europe was the region that actually uh, really nailed down the meta in League of Legends. And also, during that time, there were you know, lane swap things that were going on. So Europe kind of stood out as a pioneer in that game. Whereas, you know, I, I don't know who it's going to be for us. I, I think during Worlds of 2016, uh, Rocks certainly taught North America a lot of things, um, not just by virtue of winning, but also just when they came into the scrim environment, scrim culture did not exist really before uh, 2017. So one thing that's going to be very different for our game, I think, is how fast the meta progresses. So, yes, it took a while for other games, but we're now like seven years into League. We are into a you know 3v3 environment where scrim uh, scrims are pretty normal in some of the major regions. So there's a lot of structure in place. So I imagine the uh, quality of uh, 5v5 meta development will be pretty high and, and pretty fast. Uh, so it's going to be a wild ride to see. In terms of like how I think it's going to play out, like we, we certainly did not design our 5v5 to support a specific meta. Uh, we designed it to be a very fun, engaging, and just a wild experience on, on a mobile device, right? And I think we definitely want to leave it up to the players to, to really decide uh, you know, what what works. And we carry over a lot of our, you know, features in 3v3 that I think that still make our game quite unique. Um, so I don't I don't actually know how I mean, I could easily speculate, obviously, you know, there's there's uh, with our kind of phase one uh, testing group, there's a lot of things that people are trying out to see what works and what doesn't work. But until it's out in the wild, it's really hard to say uh, what, what the meta is going to end up being. But I will say this, the <laughs> The kind of like captain role that people know of today has become increasingly more important. And a lot of people might argue that it is the most important role right. in 3v3. In 5v5, it's going to be even more substantial because we now move from the meta just being who are the three best players to who is going to be like your strategic mind. Maybe they're not the most mechanical, but if perhaps they're on a captain or they're on a character that spends a lot of time setting up plays for the majority of the game, it's, it's almost like a whole nother role and position. Like I'm just going to be the mind and kind of supporting people here and there and everyone else kind of figures out what they, what they need to do. Right. So I kind of want to jump back though and talk about what uh, kind of what Tasty was talking about as far as the jungle, uh, you know, like with the MOBAs, it can be really important. The jungle is 
crucial to the game flow. Um, you know, like we see with like obviously Vanglory now just has the one lane, but it's going to be expanding to the to the three lanes. But you know, for Vangl or uh, for the jungle, you know, we've kind of seen like red and blue buffs before. Was that is that something that you would like to see kind of be mimicked in Vanglory? Do we know anything like as far as what kind of buffs will be in the jungle? I'll start back with Fuji, I guess, on this one. We'll work our way backwards, but uh, yeah. So we definitely have some teasers and things lined up that'll start really rolling out to the public and in, in december and and beyond so a lot of these questions will will certainly be answered uh to some extent but i will say that we without like giving too much away i'm going to always kind of walk on the edge here but we we certainly want to make the jungle more dynamic than it currently is with the focus being on more things players can go after there are more things to contest more points of interest and um and essentially just just more paths in general right to to get around the map to your desired location and you know i i think this is going to really open up a lot from the jungle standpoint to where now you know everyone's very much it, it's kind of a hamster wheel like everyone clears the same way rotates the same way you know there's some healing camps but people don't really actively think about it and one of our goals in 5v5 is we want to give people active things to think about while they're in the jungle. Yeah, so tasting humanist, maybe you guys can comment on and not necessarily, you know, beat around the question like Fuji has to, but maybe talk about what you're ex <laughs> what you're excited for and what you would want to see and speculate. Obviously, Fuji knows what's happening, so he's got all the knowledge, but he can't share that, and we he has to tease us. That's his whole. That's his job. All right, I'll add into this real quick. Now, this is something that I hear, and I end, I get it, I get it. A lot of game designers feel this way, a lot of players feel this way, but I go, I go the other way on this. RNG in the game, I kind of like a little spice in my game. And in Dota, mm -hmm. there's not like a red and blue buff, but what you have is runes that spawn in the river. Mm -hmm. now, they, they actually added in runes that spawn on the map um, consistently and predictably. Those are bounty runes, and they give you a little experience in gold, and that's great. Um, that was because supports were getting choked out. But in the river, um, you'll get a random rune to spawn. And they're really powerful runes. And if you can take advantage of them properly, it can help swing the, the tide of a game. Sometimes in Dota, there are games that can go incredibly long. Like you have a 70-minute game, and something like a, a, a powerful rune at the right time can swing the game in your favor. But for example, they have a double damage rune. So your, your physical attacks literally do double damage until the rune expires. Um, there's an invisibility rune, um, which you're invisible until you cast a spell or attack. Um, there's uh, an illusion rune, which grants two illusions of you that does, I think, like 30% damage and takes 300% damage. Um, and then there's a haste rune, which causes you to run at maximum speed um, until the duration times out. So I like those uh, and the kind of the RNG factor in that regard. Tasty. Yeah, for me, you know, kind of talking about the the red and blue buffs that you see in League of Legends, I I really want to see more impactful jungle camps. Uh, obviously, like Fuji was mentioning right now, we just have, you know, there's camps that are just purely there for golden experience, and there's camps that just give you that little bit of healing, and that's really about it. Obviously, the, the Crystal Sentry is notwithstanding, but uh, I really want to see camps that provide a little bit more just because it makes then jungle invades a much more appealing strategy. Uh, and one of the things that I think 
we've seen Vainglory balance throughout the you know two past two years or so, constantly trying to tweak and change things up to make jungle invades you know appealing but not too punishing. And I really like the fact that the balance team you know balances the jungle with jungle invading in mind uh, because those are some of the most exciting plays. But at the same time, you don't want it to be too strong because then all of a sudden a game just snowballs out of control really, really quickly. So I like what the jungle, right. what the design team has been doing thus far um, in terms of keeping the invades in mind when they balance the jungle. But I really do want to see you know those more impactful camps so that you know you can go in and even when you invade, you have to you choose how you want to invade. Like, do you want to focus on stealing away? Like, let's say there is red and things like red and blue buffs again, just for the sake of argument and for what people already know, you know, you choose. Do you want to go after that red attack buff or do you want to try and take away the blue buff and make sure that their mages are going to be a little bit further behind? So I, I like having more choices and more meaningful choices, kind of like what Fuji was alluding to as well. Yeah, we'll get into more of those objective discussions. Obviously, there's a lot of a, a lot of new objectives that's going to be on the 5v5 map. Uh, but let's stick in the jungle for now and discuss another main thing um, is the ganking, obviously. In 3v3, you have a top lane, and that's really your only path to go gank and try to kill uh, the enemy laner. There's really not much thought about where do I need to go. Um, but with 5v5, now that we have you know the three-lane option, let's say you're mid and you're currently pushing stronger than your opponent, now you have the option to maybe rotate up, rotate down, maybe find a, a go into the enemy jungle and evade there. Uh, let's start with Fuji being an ex-coach, player, everything else. Like, What's going to be the biggest difficulties for players to adjust when it comes to things like rotations, which is a you know going to be a big topic for teams? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be pretty massive adjustment. I, you could argue that rotations in, in Vainglory's 3v3 environment aren't really rotations in the same way that you would describe them in a multi-lane environment because there isn't a lot of decision making that needs to be done right so um different teams are going to be able to bring different types of strategies because there are more lanes with with more opportunities to gank i mean you mentioned that specifically so uh this is one of those things which is really going to separate the best teams, I think, right out of the gate. And then even the best, you know, solo queue players is, you know, where does their attention go and, and why does it go there? Is there a kind of a method to the madness of, of you know, is it, does it make more sense to shut down the middle lane? Does it, you know, make more sense to send your whole team to a side lane and, and you know, push and shove that in to really draw attention from other people? But I think that's the key. The, the, the thing about 3v3 right now is almost everybody knows what to do when you get an ace or right. you knock down the first turret it, there's it's a very linear path after that you either take some jungle take the gold mine or if you can't do either you generally just shop and, and get ready for the next uh head to head in 5v5 that is not that clear and that's a pretty big opportunity for teams i think to figure out over the course of time uh because uh, if you if you get an ace or if you you know if you get a successful gank or a successful invade, the decision after that is is like the world is your is your oyster at that point. There's still so many things you could do. So that's that's what I'm most excited about when it comes to just this multi-lane, multi kind of jungle arena at this point is like what are people gonna do? Like when they actually make those initial decisions and and, and why do they value their choice? All right. Humanists are tasty. 
Mm. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, um, they can go ahead. One of the things that I'm looking forward to with the when it comes to like the pathing in the jungle and such is so we had obviously you know everyone who watched the Vainglory Eight over this past season you know we've had the Telestrator and we used the Telestrator a few times with the the five v five map image and so we had that up in the studio all day a lot of the days and just uh you're just kind of looking at it and we we would even just sit there uh, munchables araki zoro and i and just sort of theory craft some ideas for ourselves just throughout the day and one of the things that we would always someone from the production team would always just come over and like while we were on breaks between regions and just kind of start playing with it and drawing lines on like the paths through the jungle like not as a strategic thing but just as you know something to do and it always was really amazing to kind of see how much of the map or how much of the screen actually got covered by lines when people were drawing just along the jungle routes like so there's a lot of paths that are going to be viable and uh obviously it's going to depend like i said earlier where the jungle camps are how strong each one is but just the fact that there are so many different routes you can take the ganking possibilities even if you're you know counter jungling or if you're invading someone's jungle as a team there's a lot of different spots that you're going to be able to try and sit and ambush and then the discussion of uh one of the things munchbulls and i talked about was god wards and this is a phrase that it doesn't actually get used that much but uh especially in league of legends it's basically spots on the map that you almost need to have a ward on and it's called the god ward spots because there's in League of Legends, for instance, there's pretty much the start of the game four spots that you need to have a ward, and those are the entrances to your jungle. It's basically it allows you to see if an opponent is trying to invade your jungle or if someone's trying to rotate through the map. If you have a ward in each of the god ward spots, you will always know where a rotation is going to be happening. And so we were looking at like potential god ward spots for Vainglory, and there is about four to five i think depending on how exactly the layout's gonna look in 5v5 that we identified and so it's having those many options that many options uh just to be like you need to cover this much vision if you want to be able to know where your opponents are at all times at the very start of the game is just it's really promising to me yeah all right Uh... go ahead humans yeah, uh, along the lines of uh, Bacon was talking about the paths through the jungle, and yeah, there should be more paths. Also, a lot more obstacles. So, um, heroes that can take advantage of wall jumping and a lot of mobility should even be even that much more elusive through the jungle now. And so, I think people will look to take advantage of that where they can, especially if the hero is fitting the divined meta. I'm. I wonder, of course, about heroes like Flicker or Kroll, who need to be like empowered in, a, in Brush. Um, so the placement of those are going to be pretty important, and I wonder if that'll be like changed or balanced because of that, or if those heroes will be changed or balanced in regards to that. Um, one thing about Dota that Vainglory doesn't have really... I mean, I think it's visually in Vainglory, but not it's not... It doesn't have an effect, but their level changes. Um and that affects your vision as well so like if you're um downhill looking up a ramp and someone's sitting on top of that ramp they'll see you but you won't see them right so i don't know like it could get even more complex and then like 
Bacon mentioned the God ward, just like the OP warding, it becomes even more important uh, when stuff like that comes into play. I mean, Dota even has like trees that you can actually destroy, right? They're not just like bushes that stay yeah. there forever. Oh, That's... and you eat them. They heal you. Oh. You eat the tree. No. Or stuff... you can cut them down. You can buy an item to cut them down. I like to hide in the lane, uh, in the sides of the lanes, and like cut my own path through the trees and just be a sneaky monster. <laughs> That's no. just too much. Stuff like that in Vanguard would be crazy. So, I mean, I guess we we're just we we're talking about uh, jungle aggression. Like, you know, we've seen a lot of that in the past with 3v3. Do, do we still think that we'll see as much of the jungle aggression in 5v5? Or will, I guess for people who don't know, will it start out slower and kind of progress? Or how, how will that operate in the 5v5? Hmm. So, so our, our kind of north star with everything we do with 5v5 is to make sure that it is not a substantially much like a substantially higher time investment for players right so we're not looking to go from like average 18 minute matches with 3v3 to like a 70 minute average or something like you know dota has so i think for us it's everything is essentially about arriving at these points of interest quicker so when we talked about the jungle objectives earlier and providing some things for for players uh, to be interested in, in, in uh, you know, in invading for. Uh, these are, are not going to be things that take very long for players to want to, you know, try to go after, you know, to spawn into the map, for them to be contest points. You know, we, we, we do a lot of balancing around respawn timers and how often we want the game to really focus in on the lane versus the jungle aggression. So I think it's really going to come down to what players and, and teams want to accomplish in the match like you could literally go straight in to the enemy jungle if you wanted to right in the beginning you have to weigh the consequences of that failing um, because obviously similar to now if you were to go straight in and, and mess up it could it could lead to pretty bad things but the distance to safety is further on the 5v5 map the amount of time it takes to get to certain you know parts of your jungle is uh, is also further in a 5v5 map environment. So with every risky invade or aggressive play, players are going to have to relearn and calculate the timing of the consequence if it doesn't pay off. So I don't know. I don't know how risky people will play out of the gate. I think most people will find aggression tempered and something that comes later until they get a really good feel. Um, and at that point, I think aggression will transfer from people probably spending a lot of time looking to invade in the jungle and more so towards controlling certain areas of the map meaning jungle and right. lane control not just you know forward camps like in 3v3 there's just so much more to uh to take in the 5v5 environment if you do have a successful play whether it's early mid or late game KC, do you want to talk maybe a little about League and, you know, when their aggression really starts and how late that can be? Because, of course, we can maybe even throw in this discussion right now about the time of 5 a 5 for Vanglory and how they're not necessarily going to expand the time to a 50-minute hour game like, you know, Humanist was talking about for Dota, and we can even see sometimes in League. So, I mean, League, they have a more, you know, passive start compared to what you may want to see out of Vanglory's 5 a 5 I mean, for me, I think a lot of the the timing of the aggression is just going to come down to the individual teams and the heroes that they're playing. Uh, like even in League of Legends now, you still see some teams that are just very, very passive. If they have you know a a jungler that 
is more farm reliant than others, then they'll sit in the jungle and just farm up. Whereas, uh, you know, if you have a more aggressive, sometimes you see level one ganks in in things like League. So you could still very much see the level one ganks coming out of the jungle in Vainglory now. So for me, it's just a lot. It's not so much about the the map design or anything like that. That one's it's purely just about team mentality and composition that they've drafted for themselves. So uh, I, I don't think the, the, the map design is really going to change what times the aggression kind of happens for junglers. Um, and I would say the largest factor is going to be how the game is currently balanced on whatever updates being played. For example, once things really get refined as far as what players find is strong, it's going to be as simple as the developer is saying, all right, well, tier one turrets now have a hundred less health and three less armor. And also saw has 30 bonus weapon power starting, (laughs) you know, like um, something like that could mean now we're going to see actually aggressive invades into pushes um or it could mean that we're going to see just differently balanced lanes like it, it'll just kind of switch up the momentum but i and then once you you've kind of reacted to whatever the game is balanced around then you're going to be going off of you know bacon's talking about team strategy and so well if you've picked a one team's picked a super late game carry that needs to farm then hopefully in the draft their opponents realize that and they go with a more aggressive, in-your-face, nice, burst-heavy lineup, and they're going to rush into your jungle behind that safe lane where you would predict that that laner would be laning. So you can take advantage of what Fuji was saying as a shared jungle and kind of lane territory. And then that's where you get into the super-level mind games of like one team predicting that they're going to invade and setting up in the other lane. So that's where it gets really fun. Yeah, so another thing that our kind of last question I would say for jungle, I don't know if it's actually going to be, we may come back to more jungle, but in 3v3, of course, we have the jungle shop. This kind of helps players, you know, the the speed of the game continue on. Players can rotate down a jungle shop. They can kind of buy items there instead of having to port home. I mean, we can start with Tasty and Humanist, maybe get your opinion on if you would think a jungle shop has a place in 5v5, and then Fuji, you can say what you wish about this whole jungle shop, but I've seen this kind of topic being thrown around on either forums or Twitter or somewhere about people still wanting to see a jungle shop somewhere on 5v5. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Humanist as the Dota expert might be best suited to uh, talk about the jungle shop's presence. Is there no jungle shop in League? There is not. Rip. All right. So, <laughs> um, in in Dota, um, what we have are shops that are basically on the far edge of the map, kind of in the uh, the middle of the lane. Not like uh, how how do I describe this? Like the halfway point between both sides on the far edge of the map, on the top and bottom lane, and. That shop does not sell all items that can be purchased at the home base, but it's a, a nice chunk of items that feed into uh, that are very common and kind of core items. And you would oftentimes pick those up there. But for example, like you can't pick up, um, I don't know, if if like you needed a healing flask and it wasn't sold here, you'd have to go home, or you want some sort of regeneration, maybe it won't be sold there. 
Then there's also like a secret shop. Um, that's what they call it. It's not such a secret. Uh, you have to. It's a little more protected based on the position, kind of being between the the middle lane and the the top lane. If you're on the um, radiant side, and that's where like super high level items are sold, and you actually can't buy those in the base. You have to get there, which presents a problem if you get into the late game and you're being pushed in and you can't get out of your base and you can't shop to buy that item that you need to give you that huge power spike. Um, so it presents kind of interesting opportunities like that. Yeah. And interesting when, when opportunities, huh? <laughs> when you're getting shoved into the base well, and you're losing also, all hope. There's also a courier in Dota. You guys know about the courier? The courier is fun. The courier is so, real fun. Like, no okay, idea. If say you're you're sitting in mid lane, you're just last hitting. You're just a boss. You're just getting your last hits. You're harassing your opponent. You're taking no damage. There's no reason for you to go home other than to buy items. So you got your little buddy, and uh, he will. You can purchase items, put them on him. He'll shuttle the items out to you in lane, deliver them, and then go back to base. Nice. Huh. Yeah. The the caveat to it is that the enemy team, if they see it, they can attack it and kill it. Oh gosh, <laughs> and I I don't actually remember. I haven't. I've played a little bit of Dota, but I haven't played enough to have it happen frequently enough to know what happens. Like if the courier is carrying items and gets killed, like do the items just get dropped? No, you just have okay. to wait for it to respawn. Um, okay, which is cool. I actually I designed a courier. Just saying, just saying, it's in Dota. <laughs> I feel like the courier should be played by a person like it shouldn't be an npc like you literally <laughs> queue up to be courier well that's I'll... another team uh, synergy thing like all five players have control of the courier so if like one person's flying it out and he's like knows he's taking a dangerous path but he's kind of walking the line and your <laughs> dumbass offlaner <laughs> takes it and moves it and gets it killed and you're like okay this is why we need a roster swap. Or, you know, if <laughs> if like you have the all of the ingredients for like your first tier three item on the way and someone like someone else calls the courier to give them like a potion. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Jesus. But um, but uh, like as far as the jungle shop goes, I really like the jungle shop. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily want to see like the Dota two full Dota two style of jungle shop of having like different items available either versus if you're at the jungle shop or not but um i definitely like the idea of the jungle shop just as a way to be able to increase your power without necessarily having to do a full recall um obviously in league of legends that you know recall timing becomes a very big thing especially for like the bot lane and the mid lanes uh who don't generally run the teleport spell um which that's a whole nother can of worms we can get into is things like teleport and such but um the uh the fact that in league of legends you know if you're like in the situation that human presented where you're you're farming away you're pr- harassing your bottom lane or you're doing a really good job but if they're gonna if they have to recall let's say they recall two or three times they're gonna have a few items whereas you're still sitting on your starting items but because you're doing such a good job in the lane you don't want to recall so you instead have to like push in the lane and find a time when you can recall to minimize how much your opponent can sort of recover during that time. Whereas if you have a jungle shop, you can walk to the jungle shop, pick up your items and walk back to lane and be back and ready to go in a little bit of quicker time than if you had to do a full recall and walk all the way out back to the lane. So I like the jungle shop for that, for the fact that it, 
it kind of doesn't punish doesn't feel as punishing to have to take a recall when you're ahead in that sense. Right. Uh, what if we just put a jungle shop in the middle of the five v five map, just one, and that's where everyone has to meet up to shop? What, what kind of what kind of destruction are we gonna get there? The um, like in Hunger Games. Yes, Hunger Games. Games. <laughs> I would. I would. You know what? I would actually really love. So going back a little bit of time in Vainglory, the gold miner used to be capturable. Mm. Yeah, I want to see a jungle shop that like you have to kill a minion or like a, a neutral objective type of target. And whoever kills it gets access to the shop. And if you want to be able to shop at the jungle shop, you have to kill like the, the enemy's jungle shop. <laughs> and it's like the type of thing like, it can't be bought from if there's a team actively fighting it type of thing. <laughs> I, I think that would actually be a lot of fun. Fuji, are you listening? I mean, I hear everything. <laughs> I should be able to uh, sign up for like jungle shop membership rewards and be rewarded for my purchases through game and microtransactions like on the jungle shop. Gold back. <laughs> it is something that you know. We should, Every we ten consider. items you buy at the jungle shop, you get one free. In order to continue your item build, please pay five dollars to finish your tier three item. <laughs> Oh, um, might want to put a disclaimer that that is all completely joking, given the uh, microtransaction <laughs> discussions that have been going on in the video game community of late. <laughs> yeah, no, I. so I think at the core, you know, uh, Super Evil, we, we still very much value the, the gameplay, the, the overall experience as, you know, our North Star. And then we're not we're not here to make a, a cash grab game. So nobody has to worry about weird <laughs> mechanics like that in five, five. Although I might take the courier, uh, the play, player select courier option back to the dev team and see what they think about that. He just inspired me a little bit. Dude. We can just call it hashtag like donkey or something is the position. <laughs> it's so good. Or alternatively, like, so th- this is, there's a game that I played a while back. I can't actually remember the name of it. Uh, because as I mentioned, I've played pretty much every MOBA that has existed. But there's one that I played where one of the roles, it was a normal like 5v5 MOBA, but one of the roles, instead of being like a support that goes into the bottom lane and like babysits an AD carry type of situation, they stay in the base and they basically played, I don't know if you're familiar with the game Zuma. No, um, no, no. Negative. It, so it's like it's this game where like there's these these gems that kind of move in a circle like a spiral towards the middle and you were like in the middle and you could sort of get gems to shoot out at the other gems you have to like make groups of three along this pathway um if anyone doesn't know zuma just go and look up zuma it's z-u-m-a uh i believe that's the spelling of it let me double check and make sure i've got the right game that i'm telling people yeah yeah zuma z-u-m-a um it's it was like an old flash game and it was like right up there with bejeweled and that type of stuff and bubble you know bubble bobble those sorts of things but uh like the support player literally just sat in base and played zuma to provide buffs for the team and that was what they did for like the first 10 to 15 minutes of the game was just sit there playing zuma so you know this courier item uh, option just have them like Give them like bejeweled to play while they're while they're waiting to for someone to buy items to go deliver. And like the better they do it bejeweled, the faster their courier speed. 
I vote against that one. <laughs> <laughs> you basically just sent the entire audience on a research mission to figure out what that point. <laughs> I still feel like I needed to if be. If anyone can remember the name of that out. game, the the game that had the, I, it might even still exist. I don't think it actually shut down. But the game that had a support player play Zuma for like the first fifteen minutes of the game. If anyone it's can remember that, and send it you to should me. just. Bacon wants a weapon Arden who's going to sit in base and just punch a dummy. <laughs> but, uh, but no, like legit, if someone can remember the name of that game and send it to me, I'll give you like, I don't know, $5 Google Play or iOS store card. Because Oh, now we got money on the line. I just found it. I'm about to send it over to you right now. Fuji, All right, you, so uh, did Fuji get his chance to maybe tease the jungle shop, or did we uh, go on that tangent? I, I didn't. I didn't tease. Okay. Here's what I'll say: I can't say too much about this. Our desire is to not restrict the ability for game momentum to move forward. So, however you want to interpret that, we don't want lulls. We don't want periods of time where nothing is happening. So. We have some, you know, creative ways where we're trying to continue to encourage players to be able to uh, to find, you know, the items they need on the map when they need them. Sweet. Yeah. Well, you're definitely not going to get a lull if you put a jungle shop in one jungle shop in the middle of the map and tell them to go at it. So between cornucopias <laughs> and couriers, we just need a third C item. I think our game is yeah. complete. Yeah. All right, so jumping back into the lane, I guess, you know, like right now with the 3v3 Vanglory, obviously you have to, in order to win the game, you have to destroy the, you know, the Vein Crystal. Uh, to get to the Vein Crystal or to be able to even do any damage to it, you have to take down all the turrets in a row. Uh, like in League of, Lesson, or League of Legends, that's not necessarily true. Like, you know, there's some type of protection put in play, such as like inhibitors, and uh, they must be destroyed in order to get to the final objective. Um, you know, is... I guess is that like going to be kind of something that we would see with the Vanglory 5v5 or is it still going to be kind of like you have to destroy all the, the turrets to get to or whatever the final, I'm assuming it'd be the Vein Crystal still, but uh, I don't know if we want to have Fuji handle this one first or if we want to see what Humanist and Tasty Bacon would have to say or what they would like to see. You guys go ahead. I, w- I want to hear your unadulterated thoughts. Because Humanist, doesn't uh, Dota have, like, barracks? Is that what theirs is called? Yeah, Dota has barracks. All right, so in Dota, you're going to have, you got your tier one. Um, and when I watch, this is hilarious. When I watch Dota and they say tower, I say turret right <laughs> after. So I don't mess it up when I cast. But they have tier one tower, tier two. The tier one has no backdoor protection. Tier two has backdoor protection, meaning that the creeps have to be there. Um, for you to basically deduce significant damage. Same thing to the tier three. They have to be killed in succession. Behind the tier three, you have two barracks, your melee barracks and your ranged barracks. Um, and they basically are going to affect, um, respectively, the creeps that are spawning down the lane. So um, when when I kill my opponent's melee barracks, now my melee units that spawn down that lane specifically are going to be much stronger. They have more health and do more damage. Um, if I kill both barracks, then um, that's really ideal. When when you kill all barracks in each lane, you you get mega creeps, which are like even stronger than those buffed creeps before, and it's like almost impossible to win. Although it can be done. Fair enough. 
<clears throat> Fair enough. Tasty anything about League specifically? Those have the inhibitors, of course. Yep. Yeah, League has inhibitors, and it, it's fairly similar in the sense that when you destroy an inhibitor, you get a super minion that spawns with every wave of minions uh, that goes down the lane in that specific lane. And if you destroy all three inhibitors, then both or all three lanes begin spawning double super minions. So there's two super minions with each wave of minions that goes down each lane at that point. And it's it's very similar situation to Dota, where once that happens, I think the win rate for a team that loses all three inhibitors is like 0.1% or something along those lines over the past seven years. So I want you to cite your source just then, Bacon. Uh, that's why that, I said I know Wikipedia it's something like. <laughs> Can I also mention but, uh, the... There was actually something that had the exact rate, but... A yeah, while ago. it's small. Dota had it added in shrines, which actually play a pretty big role. Um, they're out on the map. There's one in each half of the jungle for each team. So there's four total on the map. And then there's two or three in your base. I haven't been playing as much Dota recently. But basically, um, your team can activate the shrine. Any, well, any player can activate the shrine. It, it gives you both energy and health back. And there are huge strategical points for teams to fight around where you can kind of kite back, kite back, kite back until you're next to a shrine, activate it, um, and then everybody's getting regened and healed up. And that's a big deal in the base, too. And those are kind of strategically placed near um, the towers. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we think of general objectives throughout 5v5. Obviously, like each camp has their own style, like if they give you buffs or if they're stronger, depending on how much shield they have. It's going to be interesting to see what uh what Vainglory is going to have instead of just, you know, the normal minions and maybe like the, the treant type elder treant thing. Um, I don't know if we want to get into this discussion. I'm going to try to get as much out of Fuji as I can. Uh, but the vision topic is a topic that... Uh, I have we have had for a while that I've seen people discuss. You know, we have mines and flares in three v three currently, uh, and and other mobas. You have many other wards: totem, control, stealth. You have the observer and sentry wards in between Dota and League. Um, do you think vision is something that needs to be expanded for five v five? Are they going to need to have different types of vision? Uh, Tasty, I don't know if you want to start first with some of your speculation about something you like from League that you'd like to see in, in VG. Um, well, uh, one of the things I really want to see is like things like scout traps, not necessarily revealing stealth. Um, I like, I love what League of Legends actually did. I believe it was two seasons ago now where they basically took out the regular, uh, you know, like the pink, they used to have green wards and pink wards, and it was that you know green wards provided vision, pink wards provided true vision, and it still runs off of a um, somewhat similar idea. But now the the sort of quote unquote pink wards don't spot invisible units; they only spot wards. Um, in addition to providing the vision range, and I would like to see something like that personally where like scout traps still provide vision of heroes that are within the area of it. But I would like to see something like the only way to spot an invisible hero is with a flare um, just because it adds a little bit more to a hero like flicker uh, who relies so much on stealth. You know, now you have to provide, you actually have to use an item to be able to spot them out. It's not, you can't just put down a whole bunch of scout traps and all of a sudden flickers useless. 
Um, so I'd like to see either only flares providing vision or have some some other type of um, item consumable where, that you can put down, but limit the number of those that you can have that provide you know true vision of an area. Uh, something like that are things I would really like to see. Um, as far as vision goes, it goes back. One night of the things is that it kind of goes back to what I was talking about having different uh, levels. And one thing that I think would be pretty dope, Fuji, is uh, high ground ward spots. So, like, maybe there's a cliff. You got camps on both sides. You can drop a ward on top, and you got vision over both sides of the cliffs and a little bit further radius because um, you're sitting higher up. Um, and then along the lines of bacon, you're kind of reminding me of dust and Dota. And uh, the way dust works is, like, it just goes out from your hero in a radius. Um, and any opponent that it hits that's invisible will, will be revealed. Um, I like that, but I, I think I'd like to see like a mix, like, like a kind of targetable option of that. It's like, so you could like target uh, a hero like Flicker with an item that can basically track him. You guys have a lot of requests. <laughs> You're writing it down? I got them all here. Actually, I had to go to second page in my notes. Second page. I've got plenty more. We, we've got a ways to go still. <laughs> I like the high ground spots, though, Fuji. Elevation is an interesting mechanic in and of itself in, in a MOBA experience, I think. Dota certainly is, I think, done a pretty good job with this. Um, but but elevation lends itself to a problem. Well, I don't necessarily say this is a problem, but it, vision in general uh, in MOBAs has been a like ongoing, continual, uh, repetitive like undertaking to figure out what is the best way to tackle it. And you know, it, it's not too dissimilar to to ways we have really looked forward to uh, our five e five mode and, and said, you know, what are what are some ways we can really think about how vision's going to to impact this this game mode um you know what are some some unique elements we can bring obviously from the vainglory perspective but then what are some best practices that we can take from other mobas that have literally been like trying to figure vision out for six plus years and be like oh we finally landed on something that we think is you know it like for it to be fun useful um and strategic all at the same time is is quite the trinity of of uh, game design when it comes to end game elements or things that you want to interact with. Like we think of scouts and flares. Like Bacon said, they're not very engaging. Like flares are used all late game to just kind of spam, uh, you know, different areas of the map to make sure you're not moving in anywhere that you shouldn't be. Scout traps are kind of left and forgotten after the early game, and people know the three v three maps so well at this point to where vision is not really that useful it is not a strategic part of the game as much as it used to be uh, people just kind of know it so well they just maneuver around the map and you can basically predict so i think it's far more important for vision to be meaningful in, in the 5v5 environment because it's much harder to predict where people are going to be uh, and if you can control vision of specific areas of the map you in some ways control that area of the map like we talked about before it's more than just kills and and jungle camps it's it's controlling entire entire segments and, and really kind of pushing that control forward bit by bit. Um, there is some stuff we're doing 
that I cannot wait to show people at the unveiling at, at uh, Worlds this year. I can't really talk about it. Pretty cool, though. I think everyone's going to basically have Jaws on the table when they see it. So I, I can't wait for us to actually like... The caster? Or... Push the button. The cat? What do you mean the caster? Jaws. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> at Worlds, we're going to put Jaws on a table. And, and that's uh, going to be the entire 5v5 showcase. It's just, just watching Jaws in. standing on a table. We're just going to zoom in on his scout trap tattoo he just got on his uh, upper right peck. <laughs> but no, like it's it's honestly, there's some there's some great stuff coming. And, and we have put a lot of thought in, in, into this because... It's, it's really important like at any moba developer you know vision is is definitely a top priority of getting it right yeah i think vision obviously is going to be important because like uh, i believe tasty was saying earlier all the different lines they had drawn on the map and how many different ways you can get to the lane to gank you know it's gonna be important to have maybe different forms of vision or different things you can keep yourself safe um i mean i'm just gonna throw it out there fuji obviously i'm not making you answer this but tasty humanist like I'm going to go to League. Humanist, you can relate it to Dota. But when there's a 4v4 fight going on and all of a sudden your top laner teleports in and uses that TP, uh, you know, that can change fights drastically. You have to make sure they have a way to get there. And, you know, we've always seen someone teleporting on a ward to get a backdoor. I mean, depending on how big the 5v5 map actually is, you know, we've only seen the artwork. You know, is teleport going to be crucial for a way of travel or you know what do you guys want to see maybe different forms of this type of travel to help the uh, 5v5 bacon um well i mean while we're i'm i'm probably going to end up taking this and going into a slightly different direction that's okay uh, because... stay out of zuma don't bring that up again. no no we're not going into we're not going into that one all right um but uh you know because you're talking about like teleport and things like that. And so like kind of as we talk about summoner spells as a whole, um, obviously something like teleport and the mobility across the map is incredibly important. And I don't know if we really need to see something like a teleport because from what I've seen of the map, like it's, it's definitely much longer, but it's not quite as tall, like width wise in terms of, from top lane to bottom lane doesn't look like as much of a distance as it is in other games. So I, I don't know if teleport really needs to be a thing in Vainglory, but you know, while we're talking about kind of summoner spells like smite, I think a smite option would be incredibly important. It's one of the things I've, I've actually talked to Fuji about this in person with Munchables as well, uh, that, you know, the ability to smite and have, that extra fighting over of neutral objectives, I think is something that is incredibly important and adds a lot of excitement and even a bit of skill and teamwork and coordination to a game. Um, and like, I, I think going uh, through items may be the best way to introduce things that are, you know, kind of what we have as summoner spells in league of legends. I think introducing things like that into the terms of items is likely the way that, I would see Vainglory going just because I remember way back at the very first autumn championship, I was actually talking to Captain Nito about some of the like, differences and similarities of balancing Vainglory versus something like League of Legends. And, you know, it was reflex block was actually what he had mentioned to me was sort of like 
how they feel Flash is in League of Legends and where it's one of those situations where if you don't have that, like then you're probably doing something wrong at the end of the day or are just very, very confident. And so, you know, the reflex block was kind of their equivalent of like a summoner spell level ability, but they had tuned it into an item. And so I would love to see kind of more of those big, massive, like abilities be tied to items. I think that'd be a really uh, interesting way to not only change the way the game is played, but also ma- introduce more choices in terms of item builds. And I think like things like Echo have definitely uh, sort of introduced that as well. Um, so in, in Dota, you have your town portal scroll. It's an 80-second cooldown. You have to purchase it. Um, but you can go to from base to any structure like your, your lane. Um, you can go from lane to base. And I really like that. It feels weird for me in Vainglory only be able to be able to recall home. But assuming that they keep that mechanic and they don't put in some other form of mobility, whether it's an item or an objective on the map, then I think it's actually going to also limit potential hero design in the future, which lend itself to some of the most fun gameplay. For example, you have Nature's Prophet and Dota, which can teleport anywhere on the map. And he's got a cooldown. He, he summons Trance. He's really good at pushing. Um, but when you're playing against Nature's Prophet, you just have to make sure that you have your t- uh, Town Portal Scroll ready. Um, or there's boots that you can buy, like one of the more expensive pairs of boots, and you can teleport to any structure or allied unit. Um, but if you can't do that, then I don't. I think it will limit whether like a hero can be designed like that or not. Like if there's a hero that has insane movement speed, can basically a uh, spirit breaker can charge across the map, um, pathing through walls, cliffs, trees, anything. Um, once he's locked onto an opponent, well, I don't think that you could counter that if there wasn't a town portal scroll for a support player to teleport from bottom to top lane and save their ally. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. yeah. So, I mean, what kind of you know other heroes do VG does VG need that like you know that's missing from Dota or from League League of Legends? Like you were just talking about, like the what was it, the Spirit Walker? Did you say? Um, yeah, Spirit Breaker. He's uh, a really breaker. Cool, yeah, he kind of enables um, team fighting and ganking. That that he's one of the more mobile like ganking from lane to lane heroes. Now, this is something that. We it was actually called Rome before we changed it or before it was changed to, to Captain. Um, and there's a lot of times when people load into the game of Dota where like you you might have someone who wants to jungle, someone who wants to lane, someone who wants to support. But there's a lot of times someone who just wants to roam and gank. And Spirit Breaker is great at that. I I kind of think of Glaive. Like Glaive doesn't have charge, but I think he'd be a great roam ganker just to disrupt lanes. And he might get behind in the long run, but if his utility is just making sure that he kills someone in the lane like every two minutes, then he's doing his job. Um, definitely, Vainglory doesn't have the uber mobility heroes. There's another hero, Pit Lord, which can take all of his allies that are standing near him and teleport them all at once to a target location, and that's his ultimate ability. So that makes like him and his team incredibly mobile. I'd like to see. Um, heroes that have more buffs so you can basically 
like Adagio, his with with his heal um, and his Agent of Wrath, like a little bit more of those type of abilities, I think, to create like Uber carries. Right. Fuji, do you uh, specifically have any you know heroes that you think Vangler needs to add, like mages or more captains, or maybe even like a bruiser type role that to make five v five more stable? I guess. Hmm. So, yeah, I definitely think that's the. I have a lot of information that I want to tell you, but I can't. Type of so. You know. So you would think <laughs> you would think that this is me just trying to be careful with what I say, but it's actually me just pausing my thoughts as the train goes by and squeals in my ear. <laughs> I can edit that out. <laughs> not as uh oh no, it's not for the it's not for the cast. I mean heck you're getting like environmental effects for free right now. It's right. mostly just from my own thought process. But anyway, so like this is one of the things where um there there are certainly lots of heroes I, I still want to see. I mean I understand like uh, to a certain extent the heroes that we're working on now, but a lot will change depending on how successful uh, 5v5 you know, becomes. I, I think we're all very optimistic. We're all working very hard on it. But in many ways, we've been developing heroes for the last few years based upon a 3v3 environment, right? So this is one of these things where like turning the switch into a 5v5 mode, that's going to be something that's very like very different for our, for our dev team because we're not currently, let's say, trying to develop heroes with 5v5 meta in mind. But we do have heroes with 3v3 meta in mind because it's been established. So a lot of heroes will find new homes. Um, a lot of heroes will fulfill new purposes that are on the current roster. And then, you know, I imagine, you know, six to, to eight months from now, heroes that, that we're releasing will, will have a very heavy influence for how, you know, the new game mode has, has developed and, and kind of where we're going. But for specific types of heroes, you know, I'm still a, a MOBA fan in or outside of Vainglory. So, you know, I, I think stance-based heroes are, are something I'd like to see. Um, you know, Humanists talked about heroes with some some very special types of ways they interact with the map. And I think that's always a very fun uh, fun thing to, to, to produce because you essentially get heroes that are just, they're just, they're unique in their own way. I, I remember when League of Legends released um, Ivern and this hero is like this is like an acid trip like he honestly like it felt like whoever developed this hero had to have been on something because he is the most wacky like he's a goofy jungler that instead of killing minions he like surrounds them with like a like a happy spirit circle and just kind of dissolves them into candy and then like his you know, he, he like just creates brush randomly anywhere on the map. So imagine like on, you know, Vainglory and there's the tri brush, but what if you could just walk up to lane and pop a piece of brush right in the middle? Like this, <laughs> this character is wild, right? Mm -hmm. But he ended up becoming heavily meta for, for, for a pretty long time because people found these quirky abilities that he had uh, because he also had a shield like element. He could, he could throw a shield on an ally. And when, you know, they kind of everybody shield the, primary damage carry meta you know he came into he came in handy quite a lot so i think there's a there's a place for quirky heroes a place for strategic environmentally based heroes um there's just a place for everyone right like come on this is vainglory this is the whole idea <laughs> if bacon and uh, humanists can make it with weapon power arden and ozo then you know there's a place for everyone. <laughs> yeah well i haven't said i've made it yet 
But, oh, uh, you made working it. On that. Come on, man. All I'm saying is weapon power lane Arden, 100% win rate in Vainglory 8 this past season. Yo. He also got pulled out in the finals of Worlds 2016, so he may oh. not have won that match. It might have been there. <laughs> Dude, I thought I was like, wait a second. Is it really legit? No. Is this really going to be an eight-minute loss? What? No, but anyway, oh, we're crushing. I felt like I lost, too, in that moment. <laughs> uh, we were talking about heroes mobility and stuff but because i thought about this when we we're talking about jungle but we started talking about different heroes something that is really cool um i don't know how you would control it in vainglory i think you have to solve that issue but um some of my favorite heroes and there's actually an item where you can do it too but not to the same effect you can dominate jungle creeps well you can dominate lane creeps as well but jungle creeps have special abilities right um can you define what dominate means <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> so basically, you, you, take, you take control over that unit, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. say like say there's a unit in the Vanguard Five vs Five map that throws a rock at you and stuns you, at, mm-hmm. and it's technically an ability. Well, you, you you this hero that you design can take control of units. So maybe when you're pushing the lane, you just take an opponent's unit and help you push more. But maybe you go through the jungle and you take this. Uh, unit can, that can cast a spell, or maybe it's like the healing unit, and then you can use it on an ally at will. But you basically have that under your control, have its abilities, and can use it to help push or you know take objectives. Yeah, that's All cool. All right. All right, so let's see, let's see. Um, I guess I don't really want to circle back completely to the jungle, but there is one thing that we did completely miss, uh, which was the two main objectives. I guess the two main objectives in league, which would be. Uh, that like the elder dragon eventually, and also the baron pit. Um, Dota has what is it called? The Rosh Roshan or Roshan? How do you say that? Roshan. Roshan. Okay, so those are We're two, just Rosh for short. Right. So those are two like the two main objectives. We've seen the artwork for VG five v five. They also kind of have those two spots. But a big thing that Vanglory had in three v three, of course, is the kraken, and uh, we obviously may not necessarily see the kraken on five v five. The Halcyon Full is probably going to be her home forever, but who who knows what happens. But I'm interested to see, compared to what you guys have seen in League and Dota, like those main objectives that become the main focus of team fights later on. That actually a lot of teams have to decide when to try to take that objective. What you may like to see in uh, you know VG five v five when it comes to the type of buff you get and if that item is going to be the key to pushing to win. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree in that I would like to see Kraken remain a 3v3 only objective, if only because, you know, if Kraken is on the 5v5 map, then all of a sudden the lore team has to do, like, this ridiculous amount of work to figure <laughs> out why Kraken is on both of these areas, uh, and, and, you know, there's no, t- it doesn't look like there's a tunnel that leads anywhere, so you can't just have, like, that <laughs> cop-out answer being, like, there's one tunnel. giant tunnel that connects it all, so... Hey, they did it with King Kong, right? So... <laughs> oh, for the lore but, team. But, uh... So I'm always looking out for the lore team. A right. Little bit. <laughs> but, um... But, no, I would definitely... I would... I like the idea that, you know, Vainglory and League of Legends both have of having different object like the objective change as time goes on so obviously you know with vainglory you have the gold miner and then it becomes the kraken at the 15 minute mark in league of legends you have regular dragons and then the elder dragon at the 35 minute mark uh you have rift herald which then becomes baron at the uh 20 minute mark so 
I definitely like the idea of having it start off as something and then changing into something even more impactful for the late game. Uh, I'm really curious to see as to how it's going to balance between having two pretty clear spots for an objective. You know, are they going to be two drastically different objectives? Is it going to be two things that are very similar? Uh, or if it's even going to like how exactly it's going to work, uh, unfortunately, not privy to that sort of knowledge. But uh, definitely excited to see how things are going to play out. Um, well, Roche is sound, I mean, a little bit different than gold miner Kraken, and I don't know how the league, um, Baron and everything works, but Roche spawns as soon as the map loads, and that's really interesting because there's a couple heroes that can take Roche on incredibly early in a game, and those heroes also sometimes can jungle, so your opponent has to keep track of the jungle and that big objective. I think that's pretty cool. I would hope that the objective's out on the map early and then maybe we can see room for kind of innovation and people finding combos that can take that super early and catch people by surprise. I like the evolving as- aspect as well. With Roche, basically, I think it's the f- after you take take it two times. Well, when you kill it, um, it's gold for your team, but it drops an Aegis of the Immortal and a, a player can pick that up. It's an item that brings you back to life after you've been killed. It lasts five minutes and then it times out and it goes away. It's gone. Um, but after you've killed Roche two times, the third time he's killed, he drops an Aegis of the Immortal and a cheese, stinky cheese. <laughs> and the cheese can be consumed, heals you for two th- like 2,000 health and 2,000 mana instantly. And so, so w- some one person grabs the cheese, one person grabs the Aegis. It just depends like who on your team uh, needs those things. But I like how it does evolve, kind of like Bacon said. I wonder how the lore team came up with cheese for the third drop. I'm not <laughs> sure Dodo was designed with lore in mind. Oh, okay. Cheese is a great idea, though. Yeah, Two and you get, to, you get to give cheese at the international, and the team could take a bite of cheese awkwardly. Did <laughs> he <laughs> cheese block? You know, I think for... Why does Roshan drop cheese now? It's a good thing. We should. Oh my goodness. Done. Done searching. First right. thing I find has a top comment. You know, the question is, why does Rashawn drop cheese? And the top comment is because cheese takes ages to make. Ages. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, All right. Well, I would say in terms of what I can share in, in this regard is that having major objectives to fight over is always very interesting, but it's it's also more to a means of an end. And, and, and that's kind of where we are are sticking to as well so it's not just about this the sake of having something to fight over but it needs to in some way have a heavy impact on the next few minutes of the game so that it's not something so some might argue the current state of 3v3 with kraken um you know i think people really love kraken and and, and she she's she's been a she's been a good neutral objective but i think one of the pain points from a purely like gamer focused perspective is she's not always good to capture there's moments where arguably you would just if not capture her because you'd rather take the two turrets you would probably normally get if you would have captured and pushed Um, you might still only get those two turrets and maybe hand over you know the gold uh, for killing kraken in return so it's not always beneficial i think one of our goals with 5v5 is to try to make the same decision process happen like we want players to to have to determine whether it's a good idea or not to 
uh, take the objective, but not because taking it means it's bad or it could be negative, but because there's either one or two things maybe better to do, but we still also want to reduce that as well, right? Like what's the point of having really awesome, uh, really, you know, crazy neutral objectives that teams are, are going to aspire to take if, you know, people just ignore them. So I would say that we have some exciting stuff, you know, in the works for sure. Um, and as with any game developer, the 5v5 that's introduced in, in 2018 and the things that we have um, right out of the gate are, you know, they're not things that we necessarily keep for the next three to five years, right? Like we talked about, um, you know, the different ways that the Rashan works. We talked about Elder Dragons and, and, uh, and uh, a bunch of other things that happen in the way Baron works. And, and these are all things that are, have changed even somewhat recently. Like Elder Dragon's only been a thing for what, like a year and a half or so, Bacon? Is that right? I mean, it has, it's not been that long, maybe a couple of years, if even. But um, so I'm, I'm excited for not just the initial ideas we put out there, but I'm, I'm most excited for how everyone reacts to them and how we can continue to develop the game beyond that to be something even, you know, even better for the future. Right. I felt very political there at the end. <laughs> uh, vote for me <laughs> uh, you know, your local Bangalore Man, governor it's, it's definitely something I agree with though with what you're saying about like the game being able to adapt and evolve over time I mean League of Legends like you said is a great example you know they've been changing things consistently like every year they have a preseason where I think this year's preseason was like the least drastic change in game wise it's because they did a complete overhaul to their out of game um, sort of experience in terms of like runes and masteries that you choose before the game. But like in years past, you know, they've completely changed the jungle. They they've changed jungle camps uh, in between each season. They've you know changed the way dragon works. Dragon used to be just a single thing that was, was there from like, I think the six minute mark was when it spawned if it, maybe even before then. And it was the same exact thing the entire game long. And then like, like I said, it was like a, a year and a half ago or so where they added in the different elemental dragons, then the elder dragon uh, Rift Herald uh, was became a thing. And this year, even they changed how Rift Herald worked in terms of like capturing the Rift Herald and then releasing it onto the onto the map at a later time. So they took a little page out of Vanglory's book there with the little turret pusher, huh? Yeah, yeah, they did. It also took a page out of. Uh, Zuma's book? Strife. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Strife was was another one where you could capture, like, an objective, and then it it spawned, like, this giant ape that went and pushed down the lane. That was the first game that I had seen kind of do that. Um, So it's it's definitely, you know, games take ideas from other games all the time, and obviously hope to see Vainglory take some of the better ideas from other games and try and implement them. But, again, always looking forward to seeing how things change and adapt as time goes on. I don't expect uh, as much as I am super excited for five, five, I think it's going to be amazing. I do not expect it to be perfect right out of the gate because uh, nothing ever is. So, you know, I I definitely expect there to need to be some tweaks after it gets uh, revealed and then, you know, some drastic changes perhaps down the line as things continue to develop. Yeah, I mean, that's the nice thing, I guess, about the Vainglory community is uh, the community likes to have their voices heard and they like to complain about things they don't like. Uh, So SEMC, of course, they do their best to uh, listen to the community and see what they may want to change. 
obviously when things uh they i like it when they stick to their guns and they keep something in there but yeah i think the main major thing here is that it's not going to be perfect immediately they've obviously been working on it for a long time hopefully by the time it releases uh there'll be a lot of great things and it will continue to grow crew do you have one more question i think we're getting close to the end here uh yeah i mean one of the last questions that i have i guess would be uh i know as far as league of legends i'm not real sure about dota but like when you, you can queue at, and you can queue as a, a certain position so i'm kind of curious if you know 5v5 sticks or you know like you were saying fuji down the road uh if if this is a possibility as far as being able to select a role that you want to play uh, instead of, you know, maybe the same person getting stuck in the same position over and over because your teammates don't want to play, you know, the carry or the or the captain role. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if humanist and tasty want to back me or disagree with me on that, but um, I'll let you guys go first on what your opinion is, and then we'll have Fuji follow up. Um, so this is actually something that I know SCMC has been looking at, or at least individuals at SCMC have been looking at, and toying around with for quite some time because uh, I've had discussions with uh, some of the developers about this idea uh, because I really love the idea of being able to choose your role before queuing up but there's a lot of intricacies that go around along with it that I think a lot of people don't think of initially you know things that I didn't think of initially about it and you know obviously one is just the size of the queue and wh- what kind of impact it will have on queue times uh, obviously, League of Legends kind of deals with this in the way of having, you know, the forced fill where you might be forced to fill in to, you know, have to be queued as a certain role. Uh, but then you also have to worry about, you know, players that don't go along with it. Like if a player gets for queues up as a carry, but gets forced to play into the support role and they just decide, you know what, I'm just not going to play a support role. Like there's right. not really a lot of ways that that can be communicate having a team be able to work around that becomes an issue obviously you know you have people being able to mark roles right now in vainglory but there's no other real way to communicate whereas in league of legends just someone decides to say well i'm just not going to follow what this role thing says you know everyone can kind of communicate like you know what if this guy's just going to be a jerk and try and you know ruin our gameplay we will at least work around it and then just report him at the end of the game um, whereas in Vainglory, you know, you can kind of get stuck in a situation where you can't work around it because you don't know that they're going to do it until it's too late. So, right. uh, that's another one of the things that, you know, thought ideas that, you know, thoughts that has to go into it is how you're going to combat people that decide not to play along with the roles that they pick. Um, queue times being a thing. There's a lot of things that go around on behind the scenes, but I do know it's something that uh, at least a few people at SCMC have been looking into. I'd go one step uh, <clears throat> backwards in the decision making and b- to the point where I don't know how it happens in League, but in Dota, you have a solo rank and you have a group ranking. Um, I personally don't put a lot of weight in someone's rank unless it's a solo rank. That's just, I mean, I had years of that being ingrained into me. Where It's like, okay, yeah, I know you're a party of five and you guys queue together. And well, I, you know, maybe I, I haven't had a group of five or four to queue with for a while, you know? So like, of course, you're going to have naturally easier uh, games that way. So solo uh, versus group ranking, I think that's one thing. And then if you split those apart, 
then you're talking about what's the player base, how long are queue times, are people going to follow the rules? Like if you queue up uh, for a support role and then, you know, whatever, whatever. I actually don't like that. I would say personally, <clears throat> I don't like the idea that you're going to tell me how to play the game. Um, especially when you get into a solo queue situation, because I don't think there's there's never going to be one right way to play one of these games. And a lot of times, if you are legitimately in a solo queue playing a lot of games and you're a really good player, let's be real. A lot of times, your best chance of winning that game is carrying the game. So I think sometimes the, the biggest thing is like reading your teammates and it, you know, you, sometimes you're going to have to support a little. But if a player wants to come in and buy like one good support item and then just get farm and carry, well, then you should work with them and try to win that way. So I'm, I'm not against that at all. It's my turn now. Sure. Yeah. You like it. You're up, Fuji. <laughs> all right. All right. So um, a couple of things. I, I would say anything is possible in terms of what we are willing to consider for the health of the the game and, and the community. I, I think it would be tough to have any sort of indication anytime soon for what people will want to play as because there is no defined meta. So one of the benefits you have in League of Legends right now is obviously people will go in. So and perhaps this is why it works more for League than than Dota. Um because the meta is 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 pretty definitive in in League of Legends. You you obviously can flex to a certain extent what heroes are played where, but <clears throat> people don't like People don't do like double lane with nobody in jungle and, you know, two mid, two bottom, one top. I mean, it's certain it's certain skill tiers maybe are in casual, but when people are kind of put to the test and ranked, um, you know, generally people will, will come together to to achieve greatness because it's what they're looking for. So you, you can't escape trolls. You can't escape people trying to work the system for themselves because that's just always going to be the case but what we can do is we can incentivize people to play better by having better in-game and out of game but still in-app constructs where uh, individuals are, are encouraged to to play well so in an environment where maybe you can't always guarantee you're going to get the position you want you can at least feel special about trying to go for the victory because maybe th that specific game isn't about you playing the way you want to play. It's still just about going forward to uh, to a common goal. Now, I know that that's asking a lot, especially in the gaming community, because it's typically you, you, you play games because you want to play what you want to play. But I, but I think this is just the element of it being a MOBA. Like a lot of times I think people forget because it is a completely multiplayer experience that this isn't single player. You can't just turn on your Super Nintendo and hop on Samus and start shooting <laughs> missiles at Metroids, right? Like this is yeah. something where um, you're going to have to deal with what other people want too. And just because you're not getting what you want doesn't mean someone else should be denied their right or privilege to do what they want. So I think... Trying to come together and, and work as a team is, is always tough in a multiplayer-only uh, game. But, like I said, anything's possible. We'll certainly listen and kind of get a feel for what the community thinks. And if perhaps we look at a day where people are kind of leaning into this kind of thing, you know, maybe, maybe that's what the community wants. I would say we just, we just don't know. And I think people right now may say they want this type of thing, but I don't necessarily know 
if they really understand what they're asking for yet because nobody knows what 5v5 is going to be like. So there's no guarantees you may even be the same kind of player uh, in the 5v5 mode as you are today. So a lot of discovery to be done for sure for, yeah. for 2018. All right. Well, I think we pretty much talked about all the questions we had there's a few left but you guys have kind of answered them indirectly through other conversation i don't know if either you three have anything else that you've had thought about throughout this conversation that you want to bring up before we kind of start wrapping this up give you one last chance to have another discussion if you want it i don't think i don't think it's going to lead to a discussion but i'll just say it because i didn't bring it up before it's actually pretty important i think maybe one of the reasons dota doesn't always have dedicated junglers is because of the way the camps spawn, the mechanic there. Um, basically, the camps are going to spawn on... When the <clears throat> when the timer, the minute marker reaches 0, 0, if there are no units there, it spawns. And so there's a, a spawn box that's drawn, that's drawn on the map. Everybody learns that they change it sometimes. But if you can aggro those units and pull them out of that spawn box when the, when the clock ticks over zero zero it spawns another camp and then they run back onto their camp and it's called stacking so huh. supports uh run through the jungle and they can stack big camp sometimes like four times five times and then maybe your your mid laner um once he's reached you know a uh, level seven or something where he can clear those out real nicely and quickly um he'll then go take those get a big boost and then your team pushes or something was that intended design or was that something that you th- I, I think with? I think that was an accident. Feels um, like it was. I really like it. One of the things that I do think was an accident for sure that is really cool is also called pulling, which is some camps are positioned in a way near the top and bottom lanes where you can aggro the camp to follow you at a re- at the correct time where your creeps, your minions are walking down the lane. Your minions get aggro to that camp and walk into the jungle. Now your opponent's... Uh, creeps are going to push minions are going to push un- underneath your turret <laughs> making it easy for you to last hit without being uh, ganked also denying that wave uh, of experience and gold to your mm. opponent wow yeah, I think Dota has a lot of uh, things that were unintended that became features <laughs> over the course of time as they were <laughs> discovered um, but it, it's definitely it's cool to see developer like be able to embrace that and be like you know, we didn't may- mean for this to happen this way, but it's kind of cool that it does. So we're just going to keep it there. Like th- that's always kind of neat to see. But um, my kind of like last uh, words on it are just I, I really want to see what Vainglory does differently in five versus five versus other games, because I think that's going to be extremely important is being able to carve out its own niche and have its own things that make it unique aside from j- obviously the the obvious difference of being on mobile and having a control scheme unlike any other mobile MOBA. But I, I think the 5v5 is going to be really important for it to be able to carve out its own niche and have other things that make the game unique and stand out from the other uh, MOBAs on the market. Yeah, I think um, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because my closing point it's not exactly a foil to what you just said. So, so here's here's my thought. Um, I think what what we're going to show the public in 2018, uh, and what we will unveil to them at the end of this year, is going to be something special, something quite amazing. The, the stuff the stuff that the team is working on here continues to impress me, 
daily and and to the point to where we were doing some things that I would not have even imagined if someone were to set me down like four months ago and said, you know, what, what do you think would really level up the mobile experience on mobile in Bangalore? There, there are items we're working on right now that I, I wouldn't even think were possible. So like the, the engineer team, the, the developer team here is doing some pretty magical stuff. And the experience I think people are going to have is you are going to know it's it's Vainglory. There, there is a there is a sense about the game and an interaction while you're playing that is still very much intrinsically what Vainglory has always been. But I think that what a lot of people will do is the first thing is is start talking about what's a copy or well why does this look so similar or you know X Y and Z. So like the way I like to approach this that like if you build a road you don't just decide one day that you want to take the lanes and swap them because therefore it might be a cool experience for people or it might just be different because when people get into get onto that street they're essentially going to have to relearn once they get onto that road like how do i drive down this thing you don't just put like a turning lane going backwards for the exit you want to get off of just because it looks neat right like you don't do things just because you think (laughs) they might be cool. You do a balance of things. You, you take best practices from other titles that have been literally working hard at this for the better part of a decade, and you figure out how can we learn from them? What are ways that we can make people feel at home, feel something somewhat familiar, but make it very classic, make it very unique to what Vainglory is? And this is something I think is going to be it's a bit of balance. Like we're going to get a lot of new players. We'll have more new players in 2018 than we will have returning players or existing. And there's going to be a lot of people with this might be their first Vainglory experience. What's Vainglory to them will be perhaps 5v5. What's Vainglory to like myself or Humanist or Bacon or you guys will be somewhat of a comparison to the old map and, and why we think SCMC did things with the new. So I just, I think my thing is just don't, don't worry too much about what is or what isn't or what might have been unique or what's new. It's just going to be what it is. And I think as long as people are having fun, that's really all that matters. Like we're going to have a lot of really unique stuff in the map. We're also going to have things that people have seen in other MOBAs. It's a three lane map. Ta-da. That doesn't make it lesser. If anything, it just makes it more familiar. And if you were to ask the large amount of the population especially overseas in the apac region what are the things you want in a moba like millions of people are saying 5v5 and three lanes like they want what a moba has essentially become and this is this is a way for us to really take a genre and explode it in mobile which nobody's really doing that well right um, and I think Vainglory is going to pave the way next year for sure. Like people will relearn in 2018 what a mobile MOBA can be, and no one else has touched it, not up to this point. Yeah, I think that's the thing I'm most excited for is just the fact that I mean, personally, I've never had the the gear to play 
League of Legends and uh, Dota. I've played League on my MacBook Pro. It is not an enjoyable experience. Um, but, you know, having a game like Dota and League that's so much depth that I can play on my phone is going to be fantastic. Which, obviously, was, that's why we're talking about this right now, uh, leading up to the hype for Worlds. Uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't pre-registered, i don't not quite sure why you haven't. Most people that listen to this are involved in the Vainglory community, but you can do that at 5v5.vainglorygame.com. Make sure you pre-register, uh, maybe get a little founder's badge, uh, be one of the originals. Um, how long have the teams like uh, Renegades been, how, long, how much practice will they have under their belt coming up to this showcase match? Um, do we know? That? I mean... I don't know. Not much. Okay. So here's what I'll say. There's a, there's a lot of things happening that haven't been announced yet with the showcase and kind of unveiling, but we're trying to make sure that, um, you know, every, everybody will, will have had some time with it. We're trying to make it, you know, somewhat equal, but we're also trying to make the experience more than just about like, you know, a competitive showcase of teams that have had like months of practice. Like it's not really about that as much as it is like kind of introducing the, mode to the world letting them see it visibly for the first time and then having some some great players kind of walk us through that experience uh so i think it's gonna it's gonna be pretty fire i can't wait yeah it's gonna be pretty exciting um i think that's all we have i really want to thank you guys for coming on this was a blast uh i learned a lot comparing uh the other mobas of league and uh, dota i'm sure the listeners as well i think the big takeaway is that it's okay if some things are similar uh the the main thing is that the game's fun and there's going to be a lot of unique things that vainglory does put in play um but if you guys would like to uh sign off maybe drop your uh twitter handle anything else where people can reach out to you humanist we'll start with you and then we'll go to tasty and fuji yo yo my name humanist you can follow me at humanist cast on twitter that's the only social media i do and be prepared for it to get political i thought i was about <laughs> to get a rap from you and i was so excited i know i was like oh yeah here to be go. like trendy and like accepted in modern society, all you have to do is just like remove words from your sentence, and that just makes you like <laughs> a demigod. Yo, this is hum- humanist. It's not yo, this, yo. It's just, yo, I, it humanist. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, you know, you know. Yeah, we know. We know. That's all. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna follow, follow that, that one. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my my Twitter handle is just Tasty Bacon Live. Um, that's also my Twitch handle, but I very rarely stream. Um, I try, I try and stream every so often, but usually doesn't work out. Um, so mostly just on Twitter, and that's probably the best way to follow me. Best way to contact me. If you ever have any questions for me on anything Vainglory or life-related, feel free to reach out. I usually try and respond to just about everyone. But, uh, yeah. DMs are open. <laughs> but there are some that DMs you DMs are open. Feel free to. <laughs> to slide on in. Slide in. <laughs> so, um, you can uh, follow me, I guess, on Twitter as well, at the Fuji. Um, I'm also... Very open to anyone connecting with me to ask any questions, concerns, if you just want to talk about the landscape of Vainglory or esports and gaming in general. I really just do love these kinds of chats. And uh, 
I mean, heck, that's how this podcast came together today. Just a quick little Twitter DM made all the things happen. Yes. So definitely, uh, definitely do that. And of course, you can catch me from time to time on uh, some Vainglory related streams. I might be Uh-oh. doing a little casting at Worlds. Yes. <laughs> Here we go. Re. No, so like this might be might be a thing that goes down so i i do try to still involve myself pretty heavily where i can with you know things people are familiar with and hopefully in 2018 i can make myself a bit more present for uh for the larger community but yeah other than that uh you know what it is yeah uh you can follow us of course at tfr underscore esports uh fuji i did want to complain to you that i do not like scmc because they have taken away uh shen kaigen and you from uh the vainglory community who uh that's how i learned vainglory in the first place was Mm. from watching you guys and you know unfortunately you guys are so busy now i don't get to see see you guys stream anymore so uh hopefully they don't continue taking away some of the good streamers out there I, yeah, I was about not. to get serious for a second. I was like, well, you know, here's here's what I here's how I'd like to say, right? Like people like Bao and myself, or excuse me, Shin Kaigen, most people know him as. Um, right. You know, we we were we were we were able to affect thousands of people, perhaps in our in our old positions, but but now we can we can impact millions, right? True. So it's it's a, it's a bigger task at hand. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I initially thought that was going to be. I'd like to complain that SCMC took away the question mark ping. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> no, I would never. <laughs> I I tried really hard actually when when we were doing the five v five stuff to uh, just get us to subtly just like put a question mark like the question mark ping as a thing we could drop on the telestrator and just use it in a couple of the segments, but never actually comment on it and just <laughs> see if like it would start like this massive like train of people thinking that the question mark ping was coming back for 5v5 but yikes that idea got shot down Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 all right guys well thank you so much i'm excited to see hopefully see slash hear all of you at worlds once again december 14th uh keep building the hype the bracket challenge is out we will be doing more interviews in the future with other community guests such as b red from shadow of the vein brutal turtle from echo fox and others so take keep a lookout on that but uh that is all we have thanks again guys i hope you guys have a good rest of your night thank you thank you thank you have a good night Thanks for tuning in to Time for Rolling. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes or Google Play Music and subscribe for weekly episodes. Follow us on Twitter at Time for Rolling and at TFR underscore esports. Until next week for another edition of Time for Rolling. Rolling.